Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Whilst the others watch wrestling of the now, we go back in our Ica-powered DeLorean and we go back and watch the wrestling of the then. And who be we? I be Tom Campbell, fake Geordie, radio presenter and raconteur. And I am here with head pen, secretly, of Cultaholic, the main writer, secretly, of several books. Forget Dixon. It's all about Justin Henry. Hello, Justin. How you doing today, Tom? I'm good. Has, has Dixon come back at you yet and gone, mate, we need a word about no, the Dixon's muppet you do a podcast either. with? I haven't heard from Dixon since about 1997. Oh, not he's, since he's, the great he, fallout. No, oh, no, there's no, I mean, there's no issue. It's just he's about as incognito as... I don't know, someone in witness protection, I guess. He, I, <laughs> it, I, I maybe did, he's gone into witness I, I never, protection. Maybe he has. I, I don't hear from the guy. I love the guy. Wow. I, I wish you'd reach out once in a while. Hope Aww. he's well. Dixon, if you're listening, reach out to your friend. Reach out. <laughs> I'll be there. Anyway. <laughs> I'll be there for you. That's, when the rain starts to fall. It's the U.S. version of coupling. Oh, don't start that. Fret, look, cup, coupling... Now, let me see if I've got this right. Okay. Um, friends inspired coupling. And coupling was so good that the Americans did their own version of coupling. Or at least attempted to. Yes. It attempted to do its own version of a British version of their own thing. Yes, it was so meta that they even confused themselves. They went inwards on themselves. Amazing scenes. So... It is time, talking of amazing scenes, to go back to what both myself and Justin described as a very peculiar episode of Monday Night Raw. Where are we going back to, Justin? We're going back to Monday, March 8, 1993. As usual, it is the Manhattan Center. The episode was has been in the can for seven days. It was taped one week earlier. And as usual, we have Vince McMahon, Macho Marion Savage, and Rob Bartlett returning after a one-week stay of Elvis Presley. Wink, wink. I like how they play up the fact that it was legitimately Elvis Presley there. Of course it was Elvis there. Who else would it be? I just love that they acknowledge the fact that they even did the Elvis bit in the first place. You would think they would, just like, they would like sweep it under the rug and just be done with it. Like No, nope, they like, were very like proud of that not. whole Elvis shtick. Amazingly. Yeah, I mean, for me, it'd be like, I'm just going to pretend that that stuff never even happened. 
just like you know, repress it like a like some sort of childhood trauma and just act like you know it didn't happen. It didn't happen. No, they're very happy to announce it. Uh, talking of announcements, at the very top of the show, we have the yellow and red eye bleeding nightmare that is the Mega Maniacs, brother Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Brutus Beefcake and Jimmy Hart discussing uh, their new friendship, uh, and this is a this is a weird promo. <laughs> we go to lots of weird places with this one, Justin. Yes, if there's one thing that was definitely missing from this time period, it was the I don't want to say coked up because that might be slander, but let's just say the how about the over caffeinated Hulk Hogan promos of the day, when his eyes would be bulging. He'd be full throat growling and just just yelling stream of consciousness things that would make, that would be vaguely in context with whatever his issue was. In this case, Money Incorporated. Singing we have we have the, the King and I. We do have that. We do have a Humpty Dumpty reference in this promo, and we and have the confession f- that Hogan has been pounding beefcake in the head. There's a pound cake joke in there somewhere, but <laughs> you can have beefcake, you can have pound cake. Uh, yes. Um, keep in mind this promo was not in the arena. This was a pre-tape. Because Hogan would not appear on on Raw in front of the live crowd again until 2002, even though he'd be champion for two months coming up. He was Brock before Brock. Hogan admitted that in order to toughen up Beefcake's reinforced face, he spent the entire previous week bashing him across the face with a metal suitcase. Because that's how you strengthen an injury. I mean, that's how Triple H came back so quickly from tearing his quad. He just every day just battered his own quad. And what makes me sad about this, you could have very easily done like an, a cheesy 80s action movie montage. Like have Hogan be like uh, Apollo Creed, have Beefcake be Rocky, and play, and play some Robert Tepper over it while Hogan smashes him in the head with some sort of you know, reinforced briefcase or suitcase. But you could have easily gone that route, but no, no, it was just theater of the mind. It was a lost opportunity. Oh, a very much missed trick from this promo. Um, we end it with Hogan and Jimmy Hart obviously singing The King and I, and then screaming, live from New York, it's Monday Night no. Raw. No, 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 there was no live. It was just from New York, because oh, okay. we certainly not live. It, yes, they're, uh, they're spinning that Saturday Night Live shtick, though. Yeah, it, 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 is, a little, it is a little different, but it's, uh, well, I guess since SNL was so big at the time with you know Phil Hartman's Bill Clinton impression, and it was in the Wayne's World days, and then you try to latch on to something that's kind of popular. And of course, Chris Farley shtick. Yeah, I don't know if he'd start doing the Matt Foley bit yet, but it was right around that time, I think. So SNL was was very much in vogue at the time. Fair enough. So we go to ringside where we've got Vince, Randy Savage, and Rob Bartlett, who seems to have has taken on the look of your weird mate dressing up as Paul Heyman for Halloween. That was all it reminded me of. Yeah, he had on an all black suit with the white scarf and a WrestleMania nine hat. It was it was, uh, it was a much less animated version of Pauly Dangerously. Meanwhile, Savage was foreshadowing. He had on his old NWO colors. It was all black and white. This is, is this Rob Bartlett joining NWO confirmed? Pre-NWO? Did Bartlett inspire the NWO? He could have been the third man, conceivably. Can you imagine him dropping the leg on Savage for all the passive-aggressive remarks over, the, over that three-month stretch? Good grief. I, do you know what? I can, and it makes me feel a little bit sad. But he was very much beloved here. Like, he even announced the main event. And what was adorable was 
they go around the houses and they all announce stuff that's happened tonight. And Rob Bartlett announces that the main event is Rick Martel versus Mr. Perfect. And he's so pleased with himself. And he looks to Vince and says, was that all right? And Vince was like, yeah, that was good. It was adorable. I got their names right and everything. <laughs> oh, he card reads good. He did a good card read. Well done, you. Well done. Yeah. It was a little bit stifled, but it, it, it was a fine intro, and I got to say, Rob Bartlett on this show, I don't know what it was, but he, he seemed more relaxed, and at times he was willing to spar with both Vince and Savage. Even when they tried to put him in his place, he would kind of – he had this sort of I-don't-give-a-damn defiance about himself. Like, I know my time is short at this job, so I'm just going to be passive-aggressive and do it with a smile the whole time. There was no stammer here from from Bartlett once we got into the live to tin, uh, live to tape uh, commentary. No, he seemed was, uh, uh, he seemed very much in, uh, in, in his in his uh, pomp this week. He was very good. If I didn't know better, I'd say this was setting up a heel turn. So we come to the opening match: Virgil and Tito Santana versus Money Incorporated. So this is the first time the Virgil and El Matador. Tito Santana have formed a team. And what a mighty team they are, Justin. Actually, may I correct you? Yes, you may. This Tuesday in Texas. This is the second time that they have teamed <laughs> together. And what a mighty team they formed, Justin. They certainly did. Uh, you have the Virgil DiBiase acrimony that has been going on for more than two years now. It was the uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn of their day fight forever. They decided to not acknowledge at all during the match. Yeah, I mean, Virgil was only his bodyguard for, what, three or four years? I know, it was ridiculous. <laughs> but I know when they walked to the to the ring, Justin, you thought the same thing I did. You thought a team like Tito Santana and Virgil, they, the, they need that credibility that comes from having a cool tag team name. Yes. And... I thought I would throw it to Twitter to come up with a tag team name for Virgil and El Matador Tito Santana. And you know what? Twitter has not disappointed. No, they haven't. Would you like to hear a few suggestions on what the team of El Matador Tito Santana and Virgil could be called? Please bestow them upon me. Now, we are a swear-free podcast. (laughs) Mostly. <laughs> Mostly. Some of the really good ones have got swears in, uh, but I don't wish to fill the air with swears. But thank you to Liam O'Rourke, uh, the writer of the Brian Pillman book, and my mate Liam O'Rourke, uh, for your suggestion. But it's a bit sweary, so I'm not saying it. But it was very good. It made me do a big laugh. Um, Martin S. Dixon on Twitter, uh, also uh, an excellent podcaster in his own right. He offers us... Project Ten Dollars, <laughs> El Matadorks, <laughs> and Ted DiBiase and Virgil without Ted DiBiase. <laughs> uh, thank you to Wrestle Tonin who gives us meat sauce and the Matador. I, I, actually, for for as much as you gave props to Liam, I could say half of of, of the name. Uh, the first half was Bull for Matador. You could, I guess, for Virgil, what the other half was. Um, I had to give a shout-out to YND Fuego, and although I can't say this on this podcast, um, if you know 
Virgil's social media history and, 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 and his penchant for gathering a certain type of currency, shall we say. <laughs> it is a three-word name. The second and third words are Money Incorporated, and you could probably guess what the first word is if you've ever seen Virgil tweet before. If you look on I, my Twitter at Tom Campbell, you can probably find it. <laughs> I will say that was my favorite one, so YND Fuego, thank you for that one. Uh, John Eiley offers us El Jobadors. That's not bad. Uh, the Big Bamlicious. Wow. So you went to town with um, Ariba Las Dolores. Los Confusos. <laughs> TYV, a play on PYT, the Michael Jackson song. <laughs> and quite simply, why? As in, why would we want this? God Suplex offers us teetoing on the verge. <laughs> I, do, I do appreciate from Jesse Roberts the leftovers, which is a great slang for this entire year because pretty much everyone from the Hogan era gets wiped out, Sands. Like Mr. Fuji and Bret Hart by 94. Oh, and Savage, of course. The leftovers, brackets of the Hulkamania era. Thank you, Jesse Roberts. <laughs> and uh, Ben Thomas. I think um, Ben Thomas has got it for me with Don't Matter Door. <laughs> Don't Matter okay, Door. That, that is clever. That is very clever. Uh, thank you so much for those. They were wonderful. There was other ones as well, but I had to cherry pick a couple just to go through. Uh, but uh, thank you very much. As far as I am concerned, should we see this team again? You can call them what they want, Justin. I'm calling them Don't Matter Door. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you acknowledge Martin Dixon's uh, Tito Santana's collecting a paycheck? Oh, excellent. I didn't see that one. Well done, Martin. Uh, it's both factual and a fun name. <laughs> It, it, it's almost catchy. <laughs> I'd like to also offer Tito Santana and WWF Superstar Virgil. <laughs> so we come to this match. It's, as mentioned, Virgil and Santana versus Money, Inc. The Don't Matter Doors. <laughs> Here are two things that occurred to me as a fan that has watched too much wrestling. One, Randy Savage won two, won two major championships by beating two of these men. The Intercontinental from Tito and the world title over DiBiase in the Mania 4 final. And the other thing that occurred to me was that DiBiase has had three seconds slash valet slash managers in WWE. None of them are with him here, but they're all still with the company. He's wrestling Virgil here. He's alienated Jimmy Hart. And Sherry is somewhere trying to get back at Shawn Michaels. So he's there's a lot of uh, Ted DiBiase collateral around WWF yes, at this point. Yes, you can play these six degrees of Ted DiBiase a la Kevin Bacon and come up with any possible combination in the world. But to go back to uh, what we said before we started uh, naming the Don't Matadors, the commentary team, unless I missed it, Justin, which is very likely, I didn't hear them mention the connection between Virgil and Ted DiBiase. Well, to be fair, I mean, that was several years earlier, and, he, and Vince has the memory of a goldfish. So it, it's very likely they just slipped his mind. No, it just it seems it seems ridiculous that it did, but there you go. Um, but do you know now, what? Fun match to start off. Virgil and DiBiase are actually not Vir Virgil and Santana are actually a really good team. Yeah, they're not bad. They're a fine mid card duo. They, I mean, Tito's just great at whatever he does. He's he's one of the all time underappreciated greats. 
And Virgil, especially when matched up with DiBiase, could be a very capable performer. I do have to say here that Rob Bartlett had a line in this match that actually made me chuckle a bit. Because it's something that Bobby Heenan might ask Gorilla Monsoon, and Monsoon would probably say, will you stop to this? And, and the line which is actually kind of clever was, if the Matador wins, you think I'll take DiBiase's ear off? Which is actually kind of... It's both a funny visual and uh, kind of a clever line, actually. I don't get it. Matadors, when they kill the bull, they tend to cut their ear off as a, as like a souvenir. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> I didn't know that bit. <laughs> yeah, or, or some body part of the bull. I just thought it was like a weird Rob Bartlett comment. I just, I promise now I've become so desensitized to weird Rob Bartlett comments. It was just like, oh, whatever. It's just Rob talking. I should say Vince overlaughed at that line. It was a decent line. I kind of just <laughs> at that line, and that was that. I do love a good Vince overlaugh. <laughs> what a great time we're having. I love a Vince overlaugh. <laughs> he crossed the road to get to the other side. I didn't see that coming. What a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so Virgil tags in DiBiase goats him back into his corner jawing with him the whole, t- whole way and then tags IRS just to be a douche at, it is at this point that Savage says he's never seen the tag team situation any hotter yeah he really picks up the tag division here now let's uh, let's have a little discussion here about the tag team scene in March 1993 so we've got Don't Matter Doors Yes, we have Money Inc. Money Inc. The Mega Maniacs, the, brother. We have the, we have the Nasty Boys, the, the Head Beverly's. Shrinkers. Yes, the Beverlies. Uh, we have the Steiners. Can't leave them out. We have okay. um, one of the Headbangers and another jobber. We have Dwayne Gill and his mulleted mate. <laughs> we had the Toxic Turtles who debuted that night at a TV taping in the Carolinas. Was this the night of the, the Turtles rip-offs? Yes, it was either this night or the following night that wow. they became a one-and-done and were forever immortalized on last year's incredible WWE unreleased DVD. I mean, that alone makes the tag team division the hottest it's ever been. Hey. <laughs> You're not buying See, it. Now, no, it's not that. It's just now I'm stumped because I was going to say, well, what about 87 when he had the Hearts, Strike Force, the Bulldogs, Demolition, the Bees, uh, the Rougeos. I was going to go on and on about that, the Islanders. But then I realized, goddamn, Toxic Turtles and the Beverlies. It's one hell of a division. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, – whew. We are in the tag team heyday. This is like – and we wouldn't see a, a tag team heyday like this until 2005 WWE, in, in, in which we had Heart Deuce and Domino and, God rest their souls, Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch. Well, Murdoch's still alive. God rest one of their souls, Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch. <laughs> yes. Uh, hey, Keenan Murdoch weren't bad, though. I mean, the heartthrobs, the dicks. Now we're talking. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the dicks until just now. That's the first time we thought about the dicks. Stop it! Since the mid noughties Mid noughties or mid nineties? The, no- um, anyway. the naughty mid noughties I should point out that um, Santana and Virgil are playing the heels in this match. Did you notice that? 
I noticed it when they the headbutt shot happened. How's about the blind tags when one of them would have Iris in the chin lock and DiBiase would get, would, would get all hot under the collar and then Hebner would admonish him so they would switch off the way heels would. That's true. And they did. But I did like that. I like the dichotomy of that. The idea of here's two guys playing Money Inc. at their game. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, there was the blind tags. There was a... It was just like... And Iris was, was openly complaining about all this. And, you know, I mean, justifiably, I'd be upset too. The opponents were GM. I mean, you say turn about fair play, but it's... It's the same argument everybody had about the Braun Sherman Kevin Owens feud. It's like, why do you got to bully Kevin Owens? Owens doesn't even do anything to him. This is every single week, and, and you kind of see their point after a while. Yeah, I, I'm very much behind Kevin Owens in that feud, and I don't want to, I I want to support Braun Strowman, but it's like Braun is bullying him. Uh, well, Owens has had a long history of being an ass to people, so you can you can use that argument there. So Virgil uh, uh, was the one that got the hot tag after Tito took a shoe in for a long time, but my God, was he a ball of fire! A ball of fire wearing barber trousers. Yes. And uh, in this match, they actually got the catchphrase right, Vince Savage and Bartlett. Yes, they actually t- – I was going to – yep, I put this down to say it. Top marks, you actually got it in the right order, in the right places. They're finally, eight weeks in, finally getting it right. If I could compare it to, the, 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 to something, it would be like the time that Flair came off the top rope at Unforgiven 05 on the Carlito and actually hit a move and the crowd cheered. For the first time ever, he actually managed to hit a top right move. It was a beautiful moment. This was the broadcasting equivalent of Flair hitting a top right move for once in his life. And Bartlett does get in a somewhat edgy line when uh, when Money Inc. does the wishbone spot on Santana, and he goes, protect your huevos, man. <laughs> Doesn't he also say at some point in this match that Virgil and Montel Williams are the same person? Well, it was kind of topical. He had a syndicated talk show in the States at the time. Is it not a bit racist? Well, who's going to say... not a bit racist. Okay, well, who's going to say Virgil looks like Clint Eastwood? Just don't say he looks like anybody. <laughs> it wasn't in his contract to say he looked like anybody. Just... Yeah, it was just a bit racist. You know, Tom, you look a lot like Seal. Has anyone ever told you that? Oh, that's pretty <laughs> racist. I mean, come on now. It could be. It could have been a lot worse than that. It's a bit racist. <laughs> Jesus, Beaker. I'm getting that on a t-shirt. <laughs> it's a bit racist. And Barla actually makes a third good point here, which is how come Irwin wears a tie, but DiBiase can't even wear a shirt? Yes. Got a point. Well, Irwin's attire has been the talking point of the industry for years. Like, why <laughs> wear a, a, a braces and a, and a tie and all that malarkey that is going to easily give your opponent an advantage over you? Because it allowed Bobby to make the line, he's got him by the tongue. <laughs> That's true. That's the only reason he ever wore a tie while he wrestled. So the finish is DiBiase distracting Virgil and IRS winning with a bog-standard back suplex. And that was it. Yeah, a very basic finish, wasn't it? The old back suplex jobby. Very unusual match. The faces playing the heels, basic finish. Barlett making two good points. 
this was this is like bizarre world roll. And just and just to put the cherry on the Sunday, as as Monique's walking to the back, some guy in a flannel shirt grabs Yasi by the neck and tries to pull him toward him. Yeah, he gave him like a little squeezy on the back of the neck, didn't he? And Diyasi didn't even like acknowledge him. He kind of just like pulled away and just kept walking. It's a very it was random a... little moment. Gave him a little squeezy on the back of the neck. I'm pretty sure that guy was thrown out after that. You do not give DiBiase a squeezy on the back of the neck. You yeah, because like he'll, he'll have his he'll have his bodyguard take. Oh wait, that's right. He just he just had his bodyguard beaten to a back suplex. So the uh, so Money Inc. get a nice big win. Obviously WrestleMania being a month away, which seems like a long way to go. I think because we're so used to having like a pay-per-view every two to three weeks in WWE these days, to be promoting mm. WrestleMania a month out from it seems like a long time. I always preferred it that way because it made, made the big show seem even bigger. Of course, now you have this Sunday morning to wake up. It's like, ah, there's a freaking pay-per-view tonight. <laughs> there's another one tonight. Clash of what? Why, was, why wasn't I informed of this? Roadblock? I thought No Way Out was the roadblock. There's now another pay-per-view called Roadblock. <laughs> Too many shows. Too just, many just, shows. Just have five. That's what old cranky Justin has to say about that. What did old cranky Justin make of uh, the, the Tatanka Shawn Michaels package that we had? No, it was just a basic video package. It was just showing that Tatanka beat Shawn twice. And that uh, you know they're building your final title match. It's just it's very simple. You don't have. It's a good way to you know further feud without having to add a new wrinkle to it. It was just it was just basic TV. Nothing more, nothing less. Very true. What happened after this though was wonderful and was a real mood setter for the rest of the night. Yes, we had a raw girl with a very eighties hairstyle. She's carrying the placard around the ring. And out walks Rick Martell dressed like a ship captain. And he's going to show her how to carry the sign properly, how to walk like a model. And the crowd, of course, hates this because he, he is not a leggy blonde like the previous person was. He is Rick the Model Martell, but that doesn't, that doesn't impress them. Now, I think this, which as you will see as the night wears on, is a running thing. I think this is brilliant. <laughs> It is. I mean, it's getting him heel. He, he, he's an. I mean, if you're a New York wrestling fan and you're you know, three beers deep, who do you want to see carrying the placard? You know, an actual statuesque model or Rick Martel? Rick Martel. I mean, the model. The, the <laughs> yes. lady model. Definitely Good answer. the lady model. I should point out that one of the signs says really awesome wrestling, which is the raw acronym. And I'm thinking wrestling how'd that one get through they can't call it raw really awesome sports entertainment because then it'd be the show would be called monday night rays yes and if one thing you've proven with virginal montel williams is that the show has nothing to do with race we've watched how many kamala matches yeah but <laughs> don't yeah, give me that but... rob barlett's not saying that kamala looks like montel williams <laughs> No, that would be an interesting comparison. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> Wait till four years from now when we're watching Los Bariquas and DOA and the Nation of Domination. Now that is a bit racist. Gang wars, in it? The gang wars coming in about five years. But coming sooner than that, this is Todd. 
Yes, we have a new WWF Mania commercial. Yeah, we have Pentagon plugging WWF Mania, the Saturday morning show that destroyed a million sperm cells and brain cells. (laughs) It's wild. It's crazy. It's excessive excitement caused by acute hyperactivity. Oh, God. I cringed so hard. My eyes fell out. I think this is why I appreciated Bartlett more on this show. Because when you put him next to Pentangill, it's like a... It's a very different, very you know different dogs... broadcasting style. You know how some dog turds are wetter than others? <laughs> Was this a slightly whiter dog turd? You pick up a dry one with a scooper and it's, it's like, well, that wasn't so bad because it was dry, but it's still a dog turd. <laughs> Next to a wet one, Bartlett is comparatively dry. But most of all, it's just good, clean fun. And the catchphrase at the very end that Pettengill unleashes upon the world is, just uh, brush your teeth first. Oh, God. WWF Mania, watch it Saturday morning, but brush your teeth first. <laughs> what? What is... Why? Why are they so bad at slogans in this era? Like they're just throwing all things at the wall, and oh, jeez. And the wet ones are sticking. Oh, the the white wet ones are sticking. Uh, so Todd Pettengill is the host of WWF Mania. It gets another plug, another run out here. I like the idea of Saturday morning wrestling. I think it's a, a nice way of pulling in younger audience. I think that's something that a wrestling company should do now. Without a mm-hmm. doubt, um, but just these these adverts for it with Todd just feel so cringy. It's just a handy reminder of the identity crisis that WWF is going through at this point. Here we are in rough and ready New York City, where we've got <laughs> women walking around holding up placards in their undercrackers. We've got Rob Bartler, edgy comedian, to making jokes about murderers. And then we've got Todd Pettengill going, come watch our crazy, wacky, bonkers wrestling show, kids. It is such an identity crisis. You know, Pettengill, I believe, is still a radio personality in New York on WPLJ. He is indeed. Uh, and Scott and Todd in the morning was like uh, one well, of the highest yeah. rated shows until Scott Shannon went to WCBS. Yeah, him and Scott apparently had a very acrimonious split. There was um, there was a bit that Opie and Anthony used to do called Jocktober, where they would take a random radio show from around the country, and they would just expose what hacks they were by showing like like how they all do the same routines, how they all get them from this prep company. It's all just so homogenized and unimaginative. And Todd Pentengill was a frequent target of theirs because of his hack prank phone calls that he was still doing into like 2013 it was just it, it was just so i mean 20 years after this it's like if you thought it was, it was hacked for 1993 <laughs> he was still doing the same goofy shtick with the, like the, the phony voices and it was it was just so like like it was cringe where just listen to them even making fun of it <laughs> they like, still do to... phone taps in new york now on Elvis yeah, Duran, crazily enough. But the thing is, you can't actually put somebody on the air for a prank call without telling them that you know, you're on the air. So all those calls are obviously staged. Well, no, what it is, to let you behind the curtain, what okay. it is, is that they are done. They are, they are legitimately done. The whole thing's recorded. And then at the end of it all, they will seek the permission of the other person to air the call. 
So obviously right, but the thing they, is, they cut that bit out then, obviously. Right, obviously, obviously that, but obviously they, I mean, top return. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Type of trailer, like it was an actual live call that like he was on the air doing it at that moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. All radio presenters do that. Any time, majority of time, if it's, um, if it's something like that, it'll be trailed as if it's happening live. It's just a bit of a... Just a bit of shtick, in it. Yeah. Here I am giving just, away trade secrets. And just bring it back around to the very front here. This is why I appreciate Bartlett a little more than Pet and Gil. If I had to pick one or the over the other, I think on this particular day, I think Bartlett's winning. I found Todd to be very annoying in that segment. This is more one-sided than Yokozuna and any skinny jobber on a teeter-totter. <laughs> Back in the ring, we got Tatanka. Tatanka o'clock, baby. It is Tatanka versus Phil Apollo, who, if memory serves, may have been one of the later doinks post Matt Bourne. Ah. His name was always associated. His name always came up as being one of the doinks. I've heard it was other people. I mean, it was always very ambiguous who actually played doink after Matt Bourne was let go. I will say, based on his physique, it's hard to see him being Doink because he—he's a bit of a stockier guy for the most part. He was much, like, not yeah, like much fat, stockier than Doink. Had a very round frame to him overall. Not to mention some interesting Potsy Weber-looking hair. He was trained he by like Killer Kowalski, a, 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 and you can kind of tell. Well, that's actually a not bad trainer to have if you're Triple H or the Eliminators or China. He's trained some of the best, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But in terms of Phil Apollo, like the way like he carries himself is a real Killer Kowalski influence. Not in a bad way. There just is a Killer Kowalski influence. You can see it. He was actually one of the better jobbers we've seen so far. He uh, seen that pretty good timing. He actually got in a bit of offense on the Tonga late in the match. Of course, Shawn Michaels calls in during this match to hype the Tatanka match for WrestleMania. What do you make of these wrestlers calling in? I thought it kind of added something to the show, especially during a squash match. Because 
at least it furthered the issue without there being like some, you know, a, a distraction finish like you have today every single week. It, it it's different at least. And to be honest, like I, I kind of wouldn't mind if they brought it back, even though it is kind of you know old hat and maybe a little bit hacky. You could make it more interesting by I, I don't know whether whether saying having them skyping in. I think we might have talked about this on a previous episode. I'm getting a flashback. Facetiming. Facetiming in. Yeah, I don't see. I think that's fairly doable. You have the you have their thing appear in the corner like the old days. Their face appearing just, in the top right corner, but they're just facetiming in. Yeah, just a, just avoid the goddamn Snapchat sh- filters and uh. <laughs> no, no, go hell for leather on Snapchat filters. I want, I want a. <laughs> I want a Braun Strowman uh, FaceTime in, but with the dog filter on. <laughs> yes, and that, that one that's around voice. now, which makes people's voice go all high-pitched. <laughs> you're the big dog, I'm the bigger dog. I'm the big dog, and you're going to get I would not love that to death. Oh, Justin. <laughs> I will say during Sean's call that he says the tongue is going to come up snake eyes, which I thought was odd foreshadowing. Nice, Finney Vegas. And WrestleMania is in Vegas. Coincidence? Mm, I don't think so. To quote Shawn Michaels, waiting, <laughs> I was waiting for you to make the cringy comparison between Shawn Michaels talking about casinos and he's wrestling Tatanka, and making the Beaker ask. <laughs> he wasn't very racist, so that's fine. <laughs> okay then. I wasn't racist at all. So Apollo takes control late in the match, but he falls victim to the war dance. We start hitting Tatanka, and he starts doing the, as Bobby, you know, say, okay, now you don't want him to start dancing. <laughs> hey, the, how are you? <laughs> hey, how are you? As Bobby Heenan would say. And God bless Bobby Heenan. So Apollo falls victim to the end of the trail. Just a very basic match. Savage makes us know. Savage, Savage makes sure to let us know that this guy's got momentum. And, I, and I'm wondering, how long has that been a phrase in WWE? Building momentum. He's got momentum. He's trying to build momentum for WrestleMania. I think that phrase has been around forever, isn't it? It, it does seem like it, especially 25 years ago when Savage was saying it in regards to Tatanka on, on the road to WrestleMania. Of course, there was no sign to point at. I can't imagine the. I can't imagine the, uh, the Tatanka pointing at the headlock on Hunger Banner or anything. <laughs> oh, I wish he had. Oh, that would have been wonderful. <laughs> or the Iker for a banner. They should, have, they should have like every muscle guy on the roster pointed the Iker for a banner. While all the jobbers just hang their heads in shame. Standing on that top rope, just pointing at the banner as fireworks go off. Yes, pyro inside the Manhattan Center. That'd be amazing. 47 killed. <laughs> Get in. That's class. <laughs> we got the WrestleMania 9 report. Mean Gene makes sure to inform us that, quote, and this is an actual quote, the greatest WrestleMania ever just got better. I'm like, okay, slow down. They're really pushing the fact that this is the best WrestleMania ever. And it's in the family entertainment capital of the world, Caesars Palace car park. Wow. Like they are really, really polishing a turd here. Of all the WrestleManias ever, this one is the most recent. <laughs> this can this will go down in history as a WrestleMania that happened. Yes. We have dueling promos between Brett and Yoko. 
or rather Mr. Fuji on Yoko's behalf. And we have yet another mispronunciation of Yokozuna's name. When Brehart calls him, Yokozuna, not Yoko, Yoka. That was the only interesting part of Brett's promo. I'm, I don't rate Brett as a promo guy. Uh, you'll change your mind in the Heart Foundation at age when of 97. We, yeah, when we get to the late 90s, he is a whole different guy. But at this point, gosh, he's boring. Sorry, well, his, Brett. What an amazing well, wrestler. Technically gifted, technically excellent. But, God, boring. Well, that was his whole thing, is that in the ring, he's going he's gonna to do all his talking. He, he was the Robert De Niro of wrestling, as he said, while Hogan was the Elvis. Hogan was the, was the entertainer, and Brett was the actual performer. And then we had a um, an Undertaker promo as well. And very basic, just hyping up the regrettable match with Giant Gonzalez. At this point, we have nothing to regret, but we know we are not confident this is going to be a, 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 a tour de force. Go figure on Jim Ross's first night in the company. He drops the... Or he, He's treated to a bowling shoe ugly match. So Martel hassles another model, this one who has hair like one of the bangles. <laughs> she and wasn't then, burning an eternal flame. <laughs> and it's still March, so the hazy shade of winter is coming to an end. <laughs> I love the model dressed as a, as a sailor. And I quite enjoyed Rob Barlett singing the Gilligan's Island theme. Because hell, even Vince would get that. Yeah, that's not proper on Vince's level, that is. <laughs> we get a wonderful moment from Savage when this mo- when the female model stepping through the verbs. She's wearing very short white shorts, and we have the upward cam. Or you can call it the perv cam if you wish. This is a, this be a staple for like Stacey Keebler entrances later on and other WWE females. And Savage lets us know that Things are looking up. Things are looking up, you massive pervert savage. Oh, he's going through a divorce. Leave him alone. <laughs> Was he getting divorced at this point? Yeah, him and uh, him and Liz split, I think, in the fall of 92. Just think, had this been the Attitude Era, they would have probably signed their divorce papers live on Raw. Yeah, and Savage would have been dating that model. Oh, God, yeah. Not, not Martell of the Bangle. <laughs> I knew which one you meant. <laughs> okay, just me. Which, by the way, I should point out, Susanna Hoffs is pushing 60, and she looks the same as she did when she was 25. It's really creepy. <laughs> excellent work for her. And I imagine yes. some excellent work's been had. Yes, but it, look, it looks semi-plausible, at least. <laughs> She'll be pleased to know that a chap on a wrestling podcast described her look recently as semi-plausible. <laughs> You're doing great, Susanna. You Don't are. You are quite. You are. You are relatively okay. <laughs> I mean, you're anyway, just about on. fine, love. Speaking, speaking of too much makeup, we have Papa Shango. It's always Papa weird. Sh- Do you not think it's always weird? And I always think this every time I see Papa Shango that that's the Godfather. Yes. I always he think it's later, strange. He would later climb the social ladder by becoming a pimp. I like the fact that um, he is hitting the road again this year. 
Oh, Charles really... Wright is as Papa Shango and as the Godfather at Fight Forever Wrestling, which is a, a, a British wrestling tour. And they're offering uh, Godfather pimp party packages where you can watch the, the event with the Godfather. And there's a Papa Shango voodoo party package as well where you can watch the event with Papa Shango. Why is there no common Mustafa party? Do you know what? I thought that. Where's the Karma Mustafa party? Hell, where's the Karma party? You watch UFC the night before. Man, you might be double. It might be doing double duty. It might be fighting Brock Lesnar in the UFC. That'd be wonderful. How about the Goodfather party, where you watch like uh, you know the Learning Channel or something together? <laughs> oh, the Goodfather was my favorite. Um, no, no, I see costume on WWF No Mercy. <laughs> My favorite old <sighs> costume on No Mercy. The white shirt and the tie. That's the one. That's. I'll just never forget when uh, Victoria and that other woman had the campaign to save the hose, and they were getting kids a chance to save the hose. Wrestling was a weird. It's a weird time, yes. isn't it, as a wrestling fan? Because I remember, so... I remember being so supportive. <laughs> of the Godfather wanting to bring prostitutes back to ringside and not seeing anything wrong with that. Not just any prostitutes, but happy and willing prostitutes. Happy and very willing prostitutes. Yes. Yeah, so I am so happy that wrestling coincided with my teenage years. Or I should say the Attitude Era coincided with my teenage years. And in hindsight, it looks also strange. It's, it's <laughs> uncomfortable watching some of it. it yeah, yes, it really is. <laughs> so Papa Shango is facing Mike Edwards, and Edwards might be the hairiest wrestler I've ever seen. He's a very hairy boy. Yes. His shoulder blades have two pays. He combed himself before he went to the ring, I do believe. <laughs> he ran a brush through it. He looked, he looked all right. He did well, it though. Occurred... He spent 35 years as a wrestler. Really? Mm-hmm. Didn't really when do much retired. in those 35 years, but he was he was he was wrestling for that long. Well, if he was working and making money, that's all that matters. Yeah, I think he, he retired in 1996 uh, after uh, returning back to Canada, doing some home promotion shows, and then called it a day. So wait, he started wrestling in 1971. By all accounts, I'm sorry, 61. If you mean if you mean 35 years. So wait, how old was this guy? Uh, uh, he's currently 57. So, so okay, okay, now wait. He's well, 57 now, according he's to cagematch.net, it says his in-ring career began in 1982, but he has 35 years of ring experience. But yet okay, he stopped so wrestling that's... in 1996. That's right. <laughs> Scott <laughs> Steiner, get in here and figure this out. It's like one of those Wikipedia pages that hasn't been updated since Wikipedia first started. It might very well be that. Um, <laughs> we need some wrestle maths on this. So, uh, it does occur to me that Godfather would have been perfect for these New York City roles. You could wrestle and then go out and work. Double whammy. <laughs> we did so get Shanko... a hoe train in this match, though. Yes, we did. It was the Shanko train, but it was so. so but it was the same move. And we got a weird move where he tried to squeeze the demons out of his face. <laughs> I miss Papa Shango. It, it was such an underrated character. 
You can call it hokey if you want, but it was... No, I love it. I love Papa Shango. I'm waiting for him to pop up in Shikara. As all three characters in one match. Oh, in the King of Trios team. <laughs> we get a funny moment here where they're discussing the upcoming Perfect versus Martel match. And, and Vince is basically asking the panel who's going to you know win that match. And Bartlett says to Vince, didn't you tell me Perfect was going to win? Vince has to go, well, I don't know. <laughs> like he's just spoiling the finish for everybody. <laughs> Interesting. Surely Bartlett was being cute. And it just kind of came across as he's ruined it. Bartlett at this point, his philosophy is, I'm just going to show up until they change the locks. <laughs> I'm just going to work until they won't let me work anymore. Until my card no longer goes through. <laughs> Until it no longer opens the gate. Well in Bartlett. See, this is why I can't hate Rob Bartlett, because he's finding his niche as an agitator, and it's actually making the show perversely entertaining. Anyone that can make Vince uncomfortable in his chair is my hero. <laughs> Do you know what? I am coming round to Bartlett with you, to be fair. <laughs> nearly. Not as much as you, but nearly. <laughs> well, part of it was empathy, because... I'm a hack also. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe you are the Rob Bartlett of the podcasting world? I hope so. I'm making, the, I make enough obscure references. I'm trying to entertain <laughs> at least three people out there. I just, I just need to shout what a maneuver more often. And uh, we've got this down pat. No, just be savage and just perv on the uh, ring girls as they walk out of the ring. As they step through the ropes. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that really well. <laughs> great work if you can get it <laughs> uh, so Shonda Sh finished so go on you go sorry, on good I was gonna go to the finish but if you want to add a point before no then... no I was gonna go to the finish too so you you crack on and go to the finish say so Shonda finishes with the reverse shoulder breaker which is a move you never see and it's, it's actually it's actually in fact quite a cool looking move it did look a little bit near the end I thought it looked like he was dropping him um <laughs> but it does look cool looks looks deadly <laughs> It was his move on the Royal Rumble video game for Sega Genesis. It was just, he also he holds it for like, like a, a pile driver, just a standard Memphis style pile driver, but just you know you stop short on the knee, but you bust your shoulder over the over the knee, and then just drops you. And that would be, I mean, I'm saying everybody else does the you know chest to chest version, which is kind of okay, but but, but there's something more deadly about the back to chest version, I think. Yeah, I think so. I thought overall good showing for Papa Shango. He hasn't really got anything going on at the moment, but it was a good showing for him all the same. Yeah, just just filler, more or less. We get the same action figure ad that we've had for weeks now, and Carrie Von Eric's figure is still in there. It's March 8th. Yeah, actually... that's getting. this is getting a bit weird now, the fact that it's constantly... Uh... Constantly in there still. Mm -hmm. We uh, we're actually days away from the next major wrestling death, which is a little more. I don't know if it's more ghoulish or or less ghoulish. I'd say it's the same amount of ghoulish as uh, when Dino Bravo was murdered two days later after the show aired. Gosh, was that that was this week, wasn't it? According to this, March tenth of ninety three. Yes. Oh blime! Oh gosh, they're thick and fast, aren't they? At the moment, in the nineties. Mm -hmm. That was the big, you know, they come in threes, Andre, Von Erichs, and Bravo. 
We will talk more about the Bravo thing uh, next week because I feel like there's uh, quite a bit to unpack. Yeah, and next week's show is uh, it's a little bit light anyhow, so we can ha- have a little more discussion on Bravo for that, absolutely. So we get uh, the figure advert, we get the Ica Pro advert, we get all the usual suspects, our mm-hmm. standard ad break uh, for Monday Night Raw, and then we have uh, Bob Backlund in action, of all people. Taking on a gentleman by the name of Tony DeMauro. Tony DeMauro! Now, I, I did some research on this DeMauro fellow. He's actually a very well-built man. I mean, he looks like one of the guys who would have been swept under the rug at this at this point in WWE's uh, lifetime, given the way he... Well, given his musculature, more or less. He looks like a, uh, a possible walking red flag, not to accuse him. But there was a big... But there was a big downsize on bodies like that in this time frame, let's just say. A walking red flag. <laughs> That's an excellent yeah. description of him. He should he should be wearing the Iker Pro thing around him like like Bob Roberts did with the American flag. More like I could know. Am I right? Am I right? Thank you very much. I'm Tony DeMora. Good one. I'm Tony DeMora. Thanks for coming. <laughs> The guy in the crowd in the Bob Backlund WF Champion shirt, who's at every single Raw taping, is quite animated. It's a game to see his hero. Backlund being here. In the, I mean, it's a real mixed bag of new guys, old guys, and Bob Backlund is the far end of the wedge when it comes to old guys. To still be active yeah. at WWF at this point, it's a very strange one. Well, yeah, he's about Flair's age, more or less. He, he might actually be younger, quite honestly. But it's weird that Savage allegedly was too old to be in the ring, so Vince put him on commentary. And here's Bob Backlund wrestling. Oh, I'd be furious if I was Savage. I'd be savage if I was Savage, being told, too old to wrestle, oh, but we've just hired Bob Backlund back. I'd be I'd be furious if I was Randy Savage, and I'd be savage if I was Arnold Furious. <laughs> How, um... How far down the line would it be that we'd see the big heel turn from Bob Backlund? Uh, I want to say it was August '94, so we got at least like 16 or 17 months to go here. So we're we're not we're nowhere near it yet. So him being this <laughs> chirpy whirpy baby face uh, is, yeah. uh, is 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 still out of place. They haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, he just pops up occasionally. as just like an extra body. He does have a match with Sean for the Intercontinental Belt like before SummerSlam. Although, I don't think we had that show. I think that was like the SummerSlam Spectacular. What an interesting clash of two guys who are both major parts of different decades in wrestling. Yes, and if Backlund had won that match, he would have won the Triple Crown. I do remember that. Yes, because he'd won all the others, didn't he? That was it. Who did he tag team with? Pedro Morales, I believe. Pedro Morales. I believe they beat the Samoans at that Shea Stadium show in 80, but then they had to vacate him right after because Backlund was world champion. But they were funny That's... about people holding more than one belt. Yeah, but yeah, Bob Backlund was not the ultimate dragon of his day. Or the Walter of this day. <laughs> so, Backlund tries for a handshake before the match, and Savage says, and I'm quoting here, Michael Jackson says he's a gentleman too. And I'm just, huh? And I even wrote, huh? 
Is it a song reference? That's that was the that's what I wrote. I wrote, "He's a gentleman too." Is this a song reference? It's not Billy Jean, I don't think. No, because he would have gone, "Oh, Bob Backlund's not my lover either, like Michael Jackson." <laughs> Annie, are you okay? It's obviously not thrilling. Because this, this match wasn't thrilling. Hey. Yo. Um, what it was, though, was was quite a long match. Basically, yeah. Bob Backlund versus A. Jobert. This this was a, a very weird... I can't call it a squash match, because this, this Demora fella went about 50-50 with Backlund in these grappling sequences. Like, they were having these long, bear-hugging lockups, and Backlund just hip-tossed them over. It was... It was not your standard squash match by any means. I was very surprised at how long this went. And it was very old was, school as well. Like it was Bob just out wrestling a guy. Yes, it was, it, it was It was so weird that Vince has to break away from the action and talk to Bartlett about, hey, you want to interview Rick Martel backstage? And Bartlett sounds so sarcastic and feigning joy at this assignment. Oh, can I? Can I? Can I? Because <laughs> all night Rob Bartlett was wasn't a big fan of Rick Martel, so I guess it was trying to get that that over again. The fact that he wasn't uh, uh, on the on the same side as the model this evening. Sure, I'm paid the same either way. <laughs> <laughs> as you point out, the crowd does love Bob Backlund, though. There is. Oh, they do, don't they? I love it. I love how much the crowd love Bob Backlund. I'm not sure if it was like ironic love or just because they appreciate him being a legend in that area. It could be a little bit of both. Well, he's a legend. He's a legend in New York because obviously his 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 most incredible championship accomplishments were were in New York, were at Madison Square Garden. So he's Correct. he's very much a New York boy. Yeah. So it's I imagine you, know, you have some of those smart asses from 1993 who were just hey, it's that guy from the early 80s. All the back and probably beat all of them up with one hand. Yeah, I think enough people wouldn't wouldn't know a passing reference or a passing knowledge of Backland from New York. So we get the finish. It was an underhook suplex, just a simple throwing butterfly suplex, and then Backland just finished it with a three quarter Nelson. Very and wrestlingy. That was that. that was that was not your typical uh, wrestler versus jobber match. That was something very different. I mean, I like the fact that it was very different to at least everything else we've seen tonight. Um, <laughs> it does seem a bit unorthodox. But then, do you know what? I don't think WWF know what they are. It comes back to this this, this identity crisis that they're suffering from where we've got like uh, edgy characters. We've got kids' characters. We've got pervy people. We've got... <laughs> <laughs> and we've got wrestling. Like we don't know what we are anymore. It it is a bit more freeform though. Yes. <laughs> Which is better than having it be so rigid, everything fills in the blanks and <laughs> it's not quite so mad libby as it is it's I wanna say it's like freestyle, but it's just hey let's hey let's try this this time and see what happens and yeah, each show we've watched has had a different feel to it. Like this one in particular has very much felt like 
because he keeps coming out and because he keeps getting involved with uh, the the ring girls, it has felt like the Rick Martel show. And we're about to go backstage to another Rick Martel bit. Yes, Barlow does a very straightforward interview. It's like two questions. He's already better than Dasha Fuentes. He just comes off as just a very just a very basic straight man for the interview. You know, no clowning, although they kind of get into a little verbal tiff at the end. But it was fine. It was it was very it was very by the numbers. It was Rick Martel saying, "Oh, you're all degenerates. I'm classier than you. I'm I'm I've got more style than you." And these New York idiots did a little little. Um, it was. I wonder how much um, say Rick Martel had in this show because it felt like the Rick Martel show this week. It was probably just they have a very limited roster there, and they just try to maximize that for the two hours that they're filming. Yeah, very likely they were just they were getting the most out of Rick Martel. He does say at one point in the interview that perfection is boring, and I, and I have to say, based on some matches that some writers have given five stars, I kind of agree. It was a good line, mm-hmm. and it's it's always nice when you find a unique way of of, of dissing perfection. Because I mean. It, He's perfect, but you gotta knock him down a peg. So how do you do that? You dismiss his entire uh, his, his his entire ethos, his entire being. Very good. So it's it's is it main event o'clock now by uh, by your clock? It, it certainly is, Mister Perfect versus Rick Martel. So Martel comes former... out for the first for the third time tonight. <laughs> it's the battle of two former AWA champions. Oh, yes, so it is. Who each held a belt for more than one year. And this shows you um, how much the WWF loved just raiding these territories and just making these guys in their own vision. DiBiase comes to mind immediately. Um, IRS. I mean, just from this show alone, Savage from the Outlaw Territories and ICW. Uh, it's this is actually a hell of a roster if you just if you just, if you just study this show here. It really is, and it's a real mixed bag of a roster. You know, we were only a couple of weeks ago watching Savage versus Repo Man, <laughs> and we've had Tatanka and Shawn Michaels as like the young up and comers on the card, and now we're looking at uh, Rick Martel versus Mister Perfect. Two veterans who can still go. Rick Martel, who very much reminds me of Damien Sandow in this match. He kind of does, actually. Just in the swagger, the cartwheel, the hot pink tights. It's all very what Sandow would be. The way he gets annoyed when uh, Perfect throws him off his game a little bit. You can see a lot of influence from Damien in this. Or Aaron Rex now, or whatever he's doing these days. Now, I remember a few weeks ago when Undertaker and Skinner came to an abrupt end, and, and what we missed was Skinner beating the living crap out of him for 10 minutes afterward. We still haven't before... got any resolution. Now, I just want to point out that this was a taped show here. This was taped one week earlier, which means they had one full week, whoever was in production at the time, whether it was Dunn or Kerwin Silkies or whoever, to tinker with this show you know, to their liking. And we have a pretty good match here. It's Mr. Perfect versus Rick Martel, and they're having fun. Perfect being the somewhat antagonistic good guy, Martel getting his feathers ruffled, upset when 
when Hennig does a cartwheel or out wrestles him at one point. You know, just a very typical, I want to say like a house show match, but just, but just you know, doing all, all the little tricks to pop the crowd and keep them invested. A very fun match. And then we go to commercial break. And what happens when we come back from commercial break? I'm trying to remember where where the commercial break was. Well, there's a lot of stuff that we missed in the middle here. Like for like for instance, we missed uh, Rob Bartlett doing his impression of Rob Schneider's Rich Meister character from Saturday Night Live, which almost undoes all the fun stuff in the show that he did for us. Um, it was it was later in the match. Perfect had just taken control of Martell. Let me take a very 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 late commercial. Probably like maybe two minutes before the hour. So when we come back from commercial, is Martell holding a chin lock? Is Perfect still in control of the match? What's happening, Tom? You're going to have to tell me because I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember where the break came in. I, I, I know how the match ends, but I can't remember where the break comes in. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm referring to, the finish. We come back past the finish. We go to commercial, and when we come back, Perfect is celebrating his win. His Have music you is the right one, because I seem to remember watching Martel flip over the rope. I watched them jockeying over an Irish whip, and then Perfect hitting a perfect plex and counting three. Well, that's we did see the finish. We just saw it. After the finish. Did we? I did. I'm gonna Wait, we're it, gonna have to look this up again, because I seem to remember watching the watching it all in the proper order, but Lord knows I might have missed something. Are you ribbing me? No, 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 I'm genuinely not ribbing you. Genuinely not ribbing you. <laughs> okay, because because what happened at, at the time is what airs on at least my version of the network. Which is the... I'm just okay, loading it up the... now. I'm loading it up okay, now. The... Um, 44 minutes in. I've got perfect punching Martel. Chop to Martel. Whip through the ropes. Backdrop. Match continues. So, so we're going to a break. Come back from break. Perfect. Oh, wow. How did I miss that? Did you black out at one point? I must have done. <laughs> I must have, I must have slipped into a coma. Okay. Let's, let's wow. Just a little bit. All right. Okay. Um, okay. This, this. Yeah. So that's amazing. How did I miss that? Okay. For those of you who have no, no idea what the F we're talking about. Yeah. Explain it. Cause it is mind blowing. Okay, they cut the commercial late in the match. It's probably about 9.55, 9.56 Eastern time, so the show is almost over. At that point in the match, Kurt Hennig was in control, had Martell, you know, had him on the run a little bit. They come back from commercial break. Perfect music is playing. It's in the second verse of the song. He's got his arms raised. He's celebrating his win because he has beaten Rick Martell during the commercial break. They couldn't edit this. 
So, but they showed a replay of how it happened. He won with the perfect plex after Martel ducked his head on the Irish whip. But <laughs> they're showing the post-match celebration when they come, come out of the commercial break. See, that's such a weird thing to do because I get that you're telling people, oh, you can't look away. You must, you, you don't miss a single moment of Raw because anything could happen. For those who, are, who have made the decision to not look away, you're punishing them anyway. <laughs> it wasn't like this was a live show where there was a miscue between the network and, and the company. And, 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 and then they're unable to relay the information to the guys in the ring and they finish before they're supposed to. <laughs> it wasn't like that happened. They literally come back from pressure on a taped this show. This is taped. You could have fixed this. You had a week. They come back and there's Kurt Hennig celebrating with his arm in the air. Unless, unless they are, they are recording it as live and they haven't got the time in the booth to edit it. That's the only thing I can possibly think of. Either way, that is a colossal screw up. Oh, it's massive. It's still a it's 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 a wreck. It's a wreck of an end of a show. Very very that, very very peculiar. If that was some engineer or the network mistiming it or whatever, and it wasn't like Vince's fault or anything or or whoever's given final say or over the show's composition, then. <laughs> Then I don't know, but that's I've, I, I'm pretty sure that hasn't happened since. I've never known that to happen. I've obviously known it where the match, where <laughs> the show's gone off air before the match is finished and all that stuff, but never to <laughs> come back and the. I mean, nowadays the wrestlers are so conditioned to know when when the shows are on mm-hmm. a break and right. to, to kind of temper the action until the the break's over. <laughs> How to do a TV match? Yeah, it's 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 a great it's a it's a it's an art form in itself. <laughs> it's and, and and the funniest part is in 2010 a DVD came out with like the best raw raw matches and moments of 93 94 and this match was on there, complete with the we're cutting to the break yes. moment. And oh I, my days! <laughs> while you're watching that commercial for Jackson Hewitt Tax Services, Mr. Perfect Graverick Martell hit him with the perfect plex and won the match. Well, here's the finish in slow motion since you missed it the first time. Good gosh. Uh, but then uh, Perfect comes back, so we're back properly from a Slim Jim advert, from an advert for the WWF WrestleMania game, which is exciting. <laughs> Love that yes, game. He, Super WrestleMania and Superstars games for four different systems that had four different rosters. <laughs> and then Mr. Perfect brings back the two card women. Yay! <laughs> Savage is happy. Savage was in his pomp. What a pervert. And and that's your parting shot as Vince, uh, a real fast plugs next week's action. Razor Ramon's going to be in action. Uh, Kamala will be in action. And Typhoon takes on Bam Bigelow. And here's, a, and here's a spoiler. A whole lot of that don't happen. And there's a good reason for it. Ooh. That is a tease. That is your tease. A whole lot goes on next week, including the absence of Vince McMahon. Sort of. What we get instead is not a good thing. Oh, God. Well, I'm soon to be terrified. Thank you very much. But what are your thoughts on this week's show, the Rick Martell Hour of Monday Night Raw? It was it was an oddly engrossing show. It's like, if I, if I can't have greatness, just, well, I'm just give me something weird. I yeah, I liked the fact that it was one. It was kind of like 
it was a self-enclosed story in one episode of wrestling. It was Rick Martel. He's he thinks he's better than these models. Mister Perfect beats him. Revenge. It told us. It told a very simple story in an hour of wrestling. What I should add to that is, for a WrestleMania hype show, there was a little bit of hype WrestleMania, but a lot of it was just so un-WrestleMania related. It, it just felt like a, a typical weekend TV taping, but it was in the raw time slot. It's like you couldn't tell WrestleMania was. Like, I mean, today everything for everything on a March episode of Raw today is geared toward WrestleMania. Every, every little nook and cranny of the show, every little nuance is WrestleMania related. This yet Papa Shango beating up a, a, a hairy jobber. It's just. And you had Backlund di- turn up and uh, and wrestle a clinic out of nowhere against a jobber. It was a. Uh, it was a strange show. But this is why I genuinely am enjoying watching these shows with Justin because they are such a mixed bag. And compare it to the the Monday Night Raws that we get these days where you pretty much know what's going to go down in three yes, they're hours. Very, yes, they're very prefab, very pre-configured, very cookie cutter. But these, these the my God, these are the weirdest shaped cookies I've ever seen. But yet, they're still oddly delicious. Oddly delicious. <laughs> Weirdly shaped cookies that are oddly delicious. What a better way to describe Monday Night Raw in the early 90s. And thank and that's you. That's all I. Sorry, go on, sir. I was going to say, that's all I got for this week. And thank you for enjoying said cookies with us. Uh, I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Uh, Justin is at JIH writing on Twitter. Join us. With a question mark. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 